0: And uh, one of the questions people ask, like, how did you do it? And I said, hard work, discipline and consistency. That is it. There is no life hack. There is no secret. I just did the work.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Critical Conversations podcast brought to you by Mind the Frontline. Established in 2023 as a 501c3, Mind the Frontline is your ally in the journey to support those who selflessly safeguard our communities, Their core mission revolves around pioneering innovation and research, education, and overall well-being specifically tailored to healthcare, military, and public service frontline first responders. The Critical Conversation podcast is a dedicated space for police, fire, EMS, allied health workers, dispatchers, air medical, and military personnel, along with their families. Here we dive into the heart of the matter, tackling essential topics such as mental health strategies, recovery methods, treatment options, the latest research and professional development opportunities. Before we dive into today's episode on critical conversations, we do want to however, acknowledge the nature of our discussions. Some of the content discussed may be triggering or intense as we explore the challenges and the triumphs within the first responder community. We recognize that these discussions may evoke strong emotions or memories, If you or someone you know is struggling and needs immediate support, we urge you to reach out to your agency's mental health resources or your local peer support group. In time of mental health crisis, you can always contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by phone or via text at 988. Please remember you are never alone and help is always available. At Mind the Frontline, we are more than just a podcast. We are a community committed to fostering resilience within the entire first responder family. So whether you're on the front lines or supporting those who are, we invite you to subscribe, engage, and be a part of this vital mission. To learn more, please visit us at www.mindthefrontline.org. Now let's dive into today's critical conversation.
2: Welcome back, first
1: responders and listeners and Mind the Frontline members.
2: Welcome you to another episode of Critical Conversations by Mind the Frontline, the podcast that stands on the front line of All the first responders representing first responder mental health, wellness, and recovery. I'm your host, Chris Matam, a former firefighter and a flight paramedic, and I'm also the president of Mind the Frontline. And I'm thrilled to have you guys join us today as we really kind of talk about trying to find a purpose. You know, what is our purpose in life? You know, building resiliency through hard work, discipline, and consistency because we know that without good routines and habits, things just kind of fall by the wayside. We have an incredible Incredible, powerful episode for you guys lined up today featuring a fellow first responder. He's also a chief of Crescent Butte Fire District uh, there in Colorado, but he brings a lot of good real life experience. You know, our guest today is Chief Robert Weisbaum. Chief Weisbaum is no stranger to challenges. Being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2022, he's transformed his life physically mentally and spiritually part of his new purpose includes inspiring and motivating first responders to learn and understand the impacts of the stress the diseases and the connection as well as mind body robert is a ms warrior in my opinion uh let's go ahead and get to it robert thank you so much for joining the show we really appreciate it sir Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to the viewers and the listeners out there
0: hey first thanks so much chris for having me here it's an honor to be able to to join your journey as we continue the path towards helping others. And and I'm excited to be a part of it as well. So, uh, yeah, as as you heard, uh, thank you for the introduction. My name is Rob Weissbaum, I'm the EMS and Fire Chief in Crested Butte, Colorado, and been in the service for roughly 24 years. Um, A lot of my story revolves around um, some, some sentinel events that have happened in my life. And we'll kind of go into... Uh, the, the weeds of this as, as we thrust through the podcast. Um, and I'm really excited to be able to share this story as I have learned that the power of story can be so influential and can really help um, you know, other people connect to, to their own struggles and adversity. And showing a level of vulnerability, I think, is critical to show and prove the importance of human connection. Uh, So kind of going just briefly into my background, I'm going to go back a little bit to my childhood. And I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, mother, father, and and sister. And I was very fortunate enough to start early on into martial arts when I was five years old. I think a lot of the things that I've learned and progressed um, through life with is understanding the values that I learned through Taekwondo along with my family. And one of the big things when I finally came to finding my reason of being on this planet was discovering my love for for helping other people. And when I went to university initially after high school, I just was not motivated. I was doing the normal thing, having fun. I was distracted and, and I was kind of lost and distracted uh with, with what I was what I should be doing, what I want to do. <laughs> Yeah, you know, all, all the things, just having fun. And and it, it really took one person that kind of grabbed my attention and randomly asked if I was ever interested in the fire service. And, you know, I, I don't remember who this firefighter was, and I don't remember a lot of the details of it, but I never thought about it. And I said, tell me more about this. And he said, well, I, I would recommend you to find an EMT course first, go through that and then start applying for a fire service if that's what you want. And so I I immediately looked for an EMT class, enrolled in it, fell in love immediately. And and I kind of went from that zero to hero. Uh, Prior to completing my course, I asked my instructor if I could uh, register for the paramedic class, the accelerated paramedic class that's gonna start um, shortly after. And I was so confident. I said, don't worry, I'm gonna pass pass the exam. Uh, You don't have to worry about that. Just let me sign up for paramedic class. And uh, he, he allowed me to do it. And I was very thankful for that. And so I went right into paramedic school. And during paramedic school, I was working as an EMT. What I really loved about it was the, the fact that I was able to to help others. And I, have, I owe a lot of that to the mentors and the people I was, I was surrounded by uh, that really showed me what it meant to be compassionate, caring. And, and, you know, be in the profession, understanding that our sole duty is to help others. And that has defined my career for my entire life uh, as a paramedic, firefighter, and emergency responder. So um, early on, as I'm progressing through uh, my career, I was an avid skydiver, working on getting my professional, just class A license, just kind of the beginner level. And and I have always been an adrenaline junkie.
2: And oh, one we day, all get into the fire service we are, for public right? safety. I mean, we're all type A kind of I you know, I want to help others. I want to be of service. So I, I, I get that. I understand that.
0: Yeah, it's a, and and, and the feeling you get, you, you just want to replicate it over and over and over again. And what really helped me progress through life and And get to where I'm at today is I was doing the second jump of my day, made a bad mistake, took a low turn, long story short, I lawn darted into the ground, you know roughly sixty miles an hour. And when hmm. I hit the ground i I kind of did a quick check over. I said, "Wow, I'm alive, okay, that's good, And ouch, this really hurts." And uh you know, I was just kind of laying down on the ground, and I sit up and, and I go and look down at my legs. And all I see is bone and blood and, and keep in mind, I'm a paramedic. So I I fully understand uh, the severity of this and and what's happening. Yeah. And I'm in the North 40. I've been there. I I remember that
2: as I was flying off my motorcycle, probably doing like cartwheels through the air. And I remember impacting the ground. And when I took that first breath and I opened my eyes, it's the same thing. I'm alive, but ouch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. And and, and it's, uh, you know, it's so bad that you can't even and you can't even register it. Uh, but I remember waiting for help to show up and the master jumper came, ran over to me. His eyes popped out. He says, ah, and he runs away. I said, please don't leave. And he goes, I got to call 911. So he leaves. Fire rescue comes there. EMS. Uh, everybody shows up. And, uh, and and I'm kind of that guy. I'm the paramedic. I'm saying, hey, I don't I, I don't typically do this. Uh, but I am a paramedic, and um, but I'll let you do your job, of course, right? We we always want to look out yeah, the um, infamous, for ourselves. infamous
2: line, right? Like yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I don't want to tell you to do your job, but I'm also a fire fire paramedic too, right. and maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. I'm not gonna judge you or tell you how to do. It. Yeah, we're the worst yeah. patients, aren't we?
0: <laughs> for sure, yeah. And um, so you know, once I really understood the the severity of this. Uh, they called in a helicopter crew. And I remember when the helicopter crew came in, one, everybody was fantastic. The way they communicated with me, the way they treated me, the care they provided, uh, bar none, amazing. And and that further solidified why I love this profession. And so I got flown to, to University of Michigan Hospital, uh, long surgery, uh, almost lost one of my legs. They were able to save it kind of at the last minute. And, uh, and, and that was the road to recovery. So I have all my follow-up appointments and, and I remember, uh, one of the big defining moments is one of the orthopedic fellows told me, Hey, forget about being a paramedic firefighter. That job is done. Time to move on. You're, you are just probably not going to heal from this. And there, the fractures were so bad. The damage was so bad. The nerve damage was bad. And, and I, kind of looked at him in shock and awe. And I said, is this normal bedside manner? I said, because you're telling me that I can't do something. And immediately I did not accept that. And that really set stone to, I I can allow a diagnosis, but I will never let somebody give me a prognosis. And when I say that is you can say something, but you're not going to dictate what my outcome is. And I fully understand that there are cases out there and there are a lot of patients and um, there are things where things are irreversible, right? People will die. People, you know, succumb to disease. Um, and it, and it's terrible. And it's tragic. Um, in my oh, You were going to let
2: this end your career. You know, I remember right. laying, laying on yeah when I had my back injury, which kind of propelled me to, you know, start up IA Med, uh, the former training company I used to own. Same thing. I had that back injury. It was my second really bad one, and they're like, "Hey, Chris, like you need to start looking at another line of work. I don't think you'll ever be able to practice as a paramedic again." And, and, okay, two years later, guess who's back? You know, Um, so I can relate to that. You know, I don't let people, you know, dictate my outcome if I still have control or the will to stand up for that.
0: Yeah, it's um, and and that's the that's the key component is is really not letting other people dictate your outcome in your future you can take full control of that and and it's not easy and I don't propose that it'll be easy it never will be and it's not supposed to be uh, but you know let's fast forward now twenty plus years uh, I became a chief in two thousand ish i believe and you know at that time i I really got into the job, understanding that I was lacking qualifications, I was given the trust that maybe I could develop into this role. And, and I'm so grateful and thankful for that, uh, understanding it was going to be a, a huge uptaking. And so I, I really dedicate a lot of my life to just trying to figure out my leadership style, what it means to, to lead an organization, and, and, and know that as long as I'm sticking to my value system and I'm doing what's right, something that's not unethical, illegal, or immoral, stay on the right path and eventually people will follow. Or hopefully they will at least. And during that time, doing the right thing
2: for the right reason. You know, people they'll pick that up. It just takes time. You know, there's to to be authentic, you know, be authentic, you know, and, and kind of dive down into something where you're like, hey, this is this is new to me it's a challenge it's unfamiliar territory or waters but hey i'm going to tackle this i'm going to find a way through this
0: yeah and you know i would say throughout that time without question i've made mistakes i'm human i make errors i'm a, i have emotions and and i failed a lot the lesson learned though is it's okay to fail it's just not okay to stay in that state of mind Right, so when you when you make mistakes, you learn from them and you develop and grow upon those mistakes, and that's what life is. And I really neglected myself with self care and and, and self love, and, and and I've always kind of been a go it alone guy. Um, I look out for myself. I I make sure that if I want something done, I do it. And, and I learned that that's not always the right thing to do in certain circumstances, but I also know that. I know who I am as a person and what needs to get done uh, needs you know ultimate focus for myself. During this time, what happened was I just started gaining weight. I wasn't paying attention to it. I'm under an enormous amount of stress. And we're talking consistent, continual stress day in and day out. My sleep patterns are poor. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not happy. There's expectations of me that I should be perceived a certain way, I should react a certain way. And I certainly have let emotion get in my way. I have run away from those emotions and I didn't have good control over them. And and that was reflected in people that I led and people surrounded by me. And I definitely kind of I won't say ignored it, but I didn't take the weight of it of how important that was understanding what my role is. So before I know it, now I'm 298 pounds, just shy of 300 pounds, the heaviest I've ever been in my life. And during that time, nobody had said, wow, Rob, are you you okay? Are you, uh, you know, what's going on? You're you're getting pretty heavy. And, you know, are things okay? Um, And and periodically, someone might throw a little little thing in there, uh, but never outright calling that out to me and i get it. it it's hard to do when when you're in a in a leadership position or even a friend you know do you want to do that out of fear
2: of do you want to be that uh, person you know it's like right. hey you look heavier no i'm just pregnant yeah. jackass like right uh, my yeah bad. you know I, trust me i've only made that mistake once in my paramedic career and i've never made it stand. but yeah i mean what do you do? do you like do you do you speak up You say, "Hey, I'm just kind of concerned about your health and your well-being. I know you're typically a fit guy, and and it looks like you might have, uh, you know, taken you know fitness is kind of taking a back seat. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of tact, but at the same time, there's a lot of fear for the person who's delivering it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you got to do it do it wisely. And uh, so this this leads up to uh, November of 2021." Um a very stressful time. One one of my firefighters had just committed suicide. Uh, and that rocked us. Uh, didn't see it come in. And and you know, for me personally, I felt as if I failed hugely because I didn't recognize any signs. I didn't see it. Um, and, and I said, Where did I go wrong? What did I do? And I started taking some of that blame upon myself. And understanding that I I know the blame's not to be placed on me. You know, these are individual, um, you know, crises. And, you know, well, all right, what can I do? What do I need to do for this? And in a very quick span of time, what also happened was my father, he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's at that time for 12 years. And his quality of life has just been on the decline. He was on hospice care at the time. And he really progressed. Um, for, for the worse over over the 12 years, you know, and unfortunately, he he didn't want to battle the disease. He kind of let the disease define who he was, um, rather than defining what the disease is for him. And so that that was a challenge within our family. And for those who have, you know, been a part of a, you know, a family dynamic where you have somebody going through these struggles, it can cause a lot of internal struggles within the family itself, um, just meeting the challenges of trying to help and, and, and convince people, hey, let's let's really try to, to work hard at this and, and, and combat it so you can get the best quality of life. And uh, so shortly after that, uh, you know, I, I come home from a regular day of work and, and stress is high, lots weighing on my shoulders. I come home and I start feeling a little bit of pain in my left eye. Don't think anything about it. And I'm kind of just going through the regular daily routine of, of what I've been doing for the last five, six years. And I start to go to sleep and the pain's increase, and I start noticing my vision start to to get darker and darker, almost like someone's pulling a dark shade over my left eyeball. And so now I'm starting to actually get a little bit scared. And and, and I'm like, Red what flags is are finally
2: like big enough and loud enough that as a medic you're like, okay, maybe I'm yeah. not gonna sleep this one off.
0: Yeah, and and you know the really odd thing, and I have no idea where this came from, but early on in my career, in my life, I said, if I ever lose my vision, or if I lose one of my arms or legs, I don't want to live as a human being. I don't want to be on this planet anymore, and I made this weird contract with myself, and I have no reasoning behind that. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's because I've always been an athlete my whole life. I've had that freedom of doing all these things. And so when I started losing my vision, it kind of started making me think about that. I said, oh gosh, what's going to happen? All right, well, let's just relax. I go to the mirror, check check my eyes. And I'm like, maybe I got some eye boogers or something that's just kind of coating it and let me clean it off. And uh, so that, that didn't work. Nothing was there. Uh, and I decided let's go to sleep. Let's wake up in the morning and see what happens. So I wake up in the morning and now my vision has completely darkened about 50% down through my field of vision. And I, um, I I'm worried. So I ask uh, my boss, I said, Hey, I need help. I I need a ride down to the, um, you know, the ophthalmologist or optometrist. And I called him up and said, Hey, can you get, get me in real quick? And so they said, yep, come on down, Let, let's take a look at you. Go to the optometrist. Go in there, he he does his tests. He goes through the, the little globe scanner, and he goes, Rob, your eyes are beautiful, they look great. Um, I suggest you go over to the ER and ask for an MRI. I said, wait, what? He goes, I suggest you go to the ER and ask for an MRI. Okay, and so, okay. So I go across the street, go to the ER, and of course I'm met by everybody I know, right? Friends, coworkers. Colleagues, people that that we've been um, close to. It's a small hospital in our community, and,
2: and um, everybody knows and then, you. They're like, "Hey, Rob, how's it going? You just coming in to say hi?" You're like, um, "No, actually, I I have an issue, and I I, yeah. I need to be a patient." That's I yeah I've walked through those doors, man. That that that's a scary moment. <laughs> Not yeah, gonna lie.
0: And, right. And and the biggest thing for me was the unknown. And so as I'm kind of describing my my symptoms to them um you know it's not common from what i've learned to just be able to go and get an mri and you know speaking with a doctor you go yeah let's order an mri so i'm there for hours They're, they have to do all their normal routine 12 lead ekgs lab work check everything and um, Bunch one of, of the rule things outs. That, rule outs exactly yeah and and one of the things that came back on my lab work that i've always noticed i've always had an elevated white count for for many, many years, um, you know, 14, 15,000. It's always kind of hovered there, but it's always been discounted. Oh, okay, well, maybe it's just normal for you, not a big deal. Um, so maybe I get my just run a little
2: higher on your WBCs, man. That's totally right. good. <laughs> You're yeah. an action-fighting machine out there. <laughs> totally,
0: yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I get the MRI um, read, they come back and he goes, hey, we're gonna order a second MRI. I said, oh, gosh, what did you find? He goes, let's just get a second look, a second MRI. I said, doc, you got to tell me what you found. He goes, just hang in there. And I'm like, this is destroying me inside. I am now in full freak-out mode. Did you find a brain tumor? Did you find something indicative of cancer? What did you find? And they and they wouldn't Yeah, They're doing um, number
2: two, and he doesn't want to tell you. Like, were you there alone? Were you all by yourself I, at the hospital? or?
0: um i had, i had um my colleague there with me here and there um you know i was th- i ended up being there for seven or eight hours or so i was there for a long time uh but yeah more or less i was alone and so you know the the staff would come in they they just talk with me a little bit chit chat and i and i got to catch up with them but inside i'm having this internal conversation uh of just you know what's happening what am i going to do and when they came back with the second results and said hey um, all right, so this is where we're at. We found 15 lesions throughout your brain. It looks like it might be multiple sclerosis. Um, let's set you up with a neurologist. And and I'm
2: and you were probably thinking stroke, cancer, tumor. Yeah. So so honestly, you know, if I yeah. could be just raw, man, like when you heard the diagnosis of of MS, you know. Did that bring any relief up until that point? Because I would be thinking, hey, I got a tumor and I know what brain tumors do. Like, you know, yeah, what was your so, thought in that moment?
0: Interestingly enough, it gave me the opposite moment because um, okay. uh, a friend of the family, a professor from the University of Michigan by the name of Phil, I remember when I was an early early paramedic early in my career, he had got diagnosed with primary progressive MS, the most Um, aggressive form of, you know, of MS. And he, it was back then, this was not 20, yeah, 20 something years ago. Uh, It's still, they're still trying to understand it, still learn what the disease is. And he was doing experimental treatments, getting infusions shipped over from Germany. And and I would go there and, and talk with him, help him. And I remember when he got his diagnosis within a year, year and a half, he was in a wheelchair. And within five years, he was dead. So when they told so me So that, that's
2: what you had as a vision.
0: That's exactly what I had. You you know, and I wasn't too familiar with MS as a whole other than I know Phil and this was his path. My timeline just started. I got 5 years to go live life. And it was such a difficult moment to say what am I going to do next? All right? And um, and you know, what do you do with information like that? and so they said well let's just let's get you set up with a, a neurologist and the next part was all right a neurologist is available in 6 to 8 months i said no nope, i can't make that i i won't survive i don't want to live if that's the case i cannot go 6 to 8 months not knowing what this is and yeah. um and through the grace of whatever is up there god whoever you believe in doesn't matter um and good friends they had connections that were able to get me into a neurologist within a couple of weeks. And it, you know, I think the world. Well, that's when you're when
2: it, loving the fact that you're a paramedic and a fire chief. I'm, I'm sure because I, I had a friend that also, you know, had to go into a neurologist, same story. Like you're looking, you're looking at six, eight months is typical yeah. right now. You know, it's just yeah. crazy. So, yeah. and, and I couldn't even imagine like living that thought in my head for eight months. Like that would just, it would be a really big mountain to climb and so having your friends rally behind you and get you in sooner than that, that's awesome
0: yeah and yeah and it's scary and so um knowing that I have an appointment coming up which is great they said hey we we should have you report over the next 3 days we're going to give you high dose um IV steroids to help with the inflammation it's not going to actually recover your vision but it'll stop it from being damaged further so Okay, sweet. Let let's let's do this. I want to try to get my vision back. And so I started reporting to the, to the hospital for morning infusions. And and one of the things that I haven't shared a lot with um people and, and this is why it's so important to to really strengthen your mind um during your darkest times is um shortly after my last infusion about day 1, day 2 after that, I was in a really really dark place. And and to the point where I had written out a full plan, I was uh, – and this is so the plan. place where I get – you know, it's uh, – let me just gather myself for a second.
2: Absolutely. You know, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, well – maybe in my the, own dark space, you know, it has been very hard, you know. And yeah. To get to that place where you've kind of just accepted the fact that you're rolling over and you're going to die. I mean, I got there. You know, I didn't – can yeah. pull the trigger. Thank goodness, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, a it's a scary
1: price, Dark.
0: Yeah, very scary. And and you know, it's the 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 crazy part about it is it's like oh, I won't get emotional over this. I've gotten so tough, but um, of course, it's an emotional thing. And um, so I had written out a plan. I was ready ready to do it. And you know, interesting enough, I said it a little bit ago. The world interjects when it when it needs to exactly right when it needs to. And as I'm kind of, you know, working through this and and, and I'm, I'm ready to leave this planet, I think about how that will impact others, more specifically my family. And the crazy part that I really can't, you know, truly explain is I have this really overall body sense of warmth, right? And with that warmth came the feeling of actual love. And I think in the first time in my life, I knew what it meant to love. And I definitely relate that to my family. And that actually, that was the the point where the flip switched. I said, absolutely not. This isn't going to be my life. I have a purpose. I am here for a reason. Just as everybody in this world is here for a reason. Whether or not you can identify that, that's another story. But there are ways to, to, to try to find it. So then I made the commitment to myself to say, I'm going to use this for a positive. I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to do everything in my power to live the best life that I can live, be the best version of myself, one. And then two, use that to help others because I'm a firm believer that we have to give more than what we take in this world. That is why we're here. It's human biology, and we have to have human connection and one of my biggest fears that i see is we're losing human connection because of technology. And one of the gifts that i think i have is um one long suffering. I've been, you know, i'm i'm, I'm great at suffering. It's uh it's just a part of life and i've accepted that pain and suffering is a part of life, uh, but i can't live in that state. So um so i i, I made that that commitment to change and, and kind of start this path forward. And really identifying, one, what my new purpose in life is. Because I already knew what my initial purpose is, is to help others, to be in this career, this profession. Um, But now that I have put so much time and effort into me, I'm at a point in my life where I'm comfortable with who I am, where I've become. And now I want to help others in hopes that I can help them, influence them, if they want that too. At the end of the day, this is a, a very important lesson that I learned, is I can't change people's behavior. Nobody can change anybody's behavior. They want to have to want it themselves, right? Um, but through storytelling and sharing you know, vulnerable moments like this, all it, all it takes is one person. If I can impact one person at a time, it's worth every bit of effort.
2: Well, Chief, I mean… So you've you said so much good, inspiring things there. I want to kind of maybe take a step back just a minute, but you talked about that, that, you know, switch being flipped, right? Um, I remember that moment. I remember, you know, and this is raw. I don't think I've actually shared this on any of the podcasts or to anybody yet. So, you know, your vulnerability has inspired me to be more vulnerable. So thank you. in that first and foremost, and for sharing that hard story. When I walked out, of the behavioral hospital that I've been pretty much entrapped in for 10 days because once you get in there, it is absolute hell, or at least it was for me. I wanted to leave, and they held the threat of, well, if I leave AMA, then I'm going to be stuck with the full bill. That's what they do to you. I spoke with a therapist, maybe, and it wasn't even the actual therapist. It was a student. A total of probably 30 or 40 minutes in the entire 10 days I was there. It was more about getting me to go to these little group procedures. Don't get me wrong. There's some good values in that. Giving me meds. But really, there was no actual mental health treatment in that facility for 10 days. It was an absolute hell. And I I had made a promise to myself that I had two things. I think I kind of came to this realization on day eight. It was I could either choose to walk out of this facility and do it right and call it a day. Because I had always up until that point thought that by being, you know, going and seeking out help and treatment, things like that, things would get better. They got worse. Like, I thought I was in a hole that was dark. I didn't think it could get any, I didn't think the dark could get any darker. And it did. And in that moment, I remember that switch being flipped because really, it's truthfully, if you haven't been there, you just won't be able to relate. You can comprehend to some degree, but you just won't relate to this feeling it's I made the decision to live because right before that I had made the decision to leave this world, leave my wife, my kids, everything else that I had behind and say, I can't bear it anymore and I'm out. I gave up. And by the grace of Almighty, and this part everybody does know, is the fact that, you know, having that can't come along at 2:30 in the morning or whatever it was very early. And stumble upon me which prevented me from actually following through with the final motion, which was I had already dried fire, I'd already worked through it, just just working that final couple of steps there. You know. Yeah. And and to get to that point, it takes a lot, but to actually say, Hey, I'm gonna take my life back. I'm gonna take control of this shit. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not dead. I'm gonna fight. I had that switch flip and I man, it was like feeling like you've been underneath the water for 40 minutes, drowning, you know, and you take that first breath for the first time. It's the empowering feeling I have of that. I have to remind myself over and over again because, you know, it's one of those savory moments, but you still have some dark times. You still have some challenges ahead of you. But having that 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 switch flip and go, I'm going to now be of service of others. I'm going to help others. What was done to me was not right. And I'm going to make a difference instead of saying, you know what? I could have just been like, all right, you guys just kicked me while I'm down. Like nobody would guess their thought. But when I walked out of that facility on day 10, I had my wife, I had Portia, my service dog, which they would not let me have while I was in treatment because they said they could provide everything that my service dog could do, which is complete <laughs> horse shit. But yeah. I got to see my wife, my dog, and my two kids, and at that moment, like it just happened to be a nice day, the sun was kind of shining a little bit, it sounds very uh melodramatic, but it wasn't then. But it really ingrained into me that this is a mission. And I'm 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 accepting it. I'm not giving it up. It's not something that anything else in life that is drawing me towards this. This is me and my mission to go out there and make a difference however I can. And so you telling your story, man, is, is a lot of power. A lot of power. Hopefully it gets easier for you as it has for me. Um, but I haven't shared that with anybody. I haven't really told anybody like, what was my what was my moment where I decided I wanted to live. Because for everybody else that's out there, if you are struggling, you feel like you're in that dark place, you have a decision to make. You can either flip that switch or you can leave it off. And I can tell you, when you leave it off, I know where it goes. It's where all my friends have gone. Not all of them, but a good many of them. I've lost too many freaking friends in this industry. Uh, Chief, and so your resiliency, and then you mentioned the other thing that human connection, we're losing it through technology. I want to kind of hit on that real quick because we are, you know, study after study have shown like actual human connection, mean physical touch, interaction. I can grab you on the shoulder, hey, give you a pat on the back, you know, hug you, you know, feel that, you know, smell you. You know, it sounds awkward, but no, like all of that has been shown that we as humans need that to thrive, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally. It did, our psyche, you know, was intertwined with everything else that we do throughout our day. And so I, I would agree that technology is taking it away. I try to do FaceTimes because I don't have, you know, a lot of time, but it's not the same as going down the street or, you know, hanging out in my basement, playing GoldenEye or, you know, throwing darts, you know, it's not the same. And so, you know, I, I hear you and I see you. Thank you so much for the power and sharing that story, you know, what do you, I mean, where, where do you, where did you go from there though? You, you finally decide, like, Hey, I'm going to make this my mission in life. I'm, I have a purpose, you know, that's enlightening. You know, what did you do with it? Yeah. Um, first, thanks
0: for being vulnerable and sharing that, um, you, you know, y- your moment. Um, this is what it's all about, right? Being able to talk to each other and, and, and open up about that. And that truly is what makes this so great is just one person at a time and be able to connect like that. Um, when I flipped that switch, uh, I, I didn't really buy into a lot of spirituality and, and hope and belief and, and, and what I'll call buzzwords, you know, purpose and, and all these things. And what I really want to try to identify and get away from is having these words, just be words. So how do I actually put this all into action? And by chance, during this moment when the light flipped on, and and I'm like, I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to go full bore. I'm going to change my life for the better and get healthy. I was listening to a podcast, and it's just daily motivation by Motiversity. And one of the I, episodes- I watch that
2: on YouTube every morning, Chief. That's crazy. That's one of the things it, I did right after I, I decided to live. I cannot yeah. believe that. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: and it was it is an episode by Coach Payne. And he's out of Arizona. And something he said resonated so deep with me. I said, time to get to work. It's time to start taking action. And, you know, so I got really immersed into educating myself and reading and studying and looking and saying, all right, how am I going to do this day in and day out, knowing that these aren't instant results? This takes time to build upon and results aren't going to show for a long time. Here's the secret. You just have to start. Once you start something, then you can keep going. And once you keep going, you can build a habit. And once you build that habit, it becomes second nature, right? That's that consistency piece to it. You also have to really reinvent yourself more or less. And you know, throughout life, it's okay to reinvent yourself who you are as a person and say, yep, this is who I was in the past. This is who I am now. And One of the things that I really appreciate about this journey that I've been on is really understanding who I am not as a person, but also getting to discover who I am as a person. And understanding that, that's a lifelong journey until my resting days, who I am. And those are things that I'll continue to develop. So as I'm kind of looking for good material to read, good things to study, get back in touch with my spiritual side. My dad was a Buddhist. I always kind of practiced Zen Buddhism um, through martial arts. We would meditate every single day. We would really reflect back on our values and, and see how that correlates to our everyday life. And I said, oh, guess what? It's also time to get to the gym. And just like the, lo- the last podcast I heard from you is with the doc, you know, physical fitness, movement is so critical to to getting healthy and well and and it's amazing what it does to our mindset and how good you feel after you just start movement and um, so I started running and one of the things that I identified how strong our mindset actually is when I broke my legs my my ankles fused together so I have no extension flexion they're fixed it's fixed and so I convinced myself for many years that I couldn't run because it's simply too painful, and I just couldn't get that mechanism right. And I said, mm-hmm. "Let's let's give this a whirl." So I get to the to the firehouse gym. I hop on the treadmill, and let's start jogging. Okay, I'm going to start jogging. I do it for a little bit, maybe half a mile. I said, "Okay, that hurts. Let me focus on every single step that I'm taking. Let me try to make corrective motions." So that it's not as impactful or hurtful, and let's just keep going with this. And as I continue to do this every single day, every day, I might miss a day. Um, I committed to doing six days a week. Um, I would consistency. progressively consistency. Yeah, I would progressively increase my speed and my length. And I found myself within, you know, roughly four to six months of being able to run distance. Um, three five miles. At, uh, in my opinion, a respectable rate pace for for someone <laughs> with busted legs. Um, so you know, I, I'd run an eight nine minute mile. Um, consistently for three to five, are five you, miles.
2: Are you feeling me like uh, that's what I that that's what I run like an eight thirty when I would did my like last half minute. Thing. So you're crushing me, Chief. You know, yeah, <laughs> in, by by far. So don't don't sell yourself short. But at the same oh, time, you, you know. You. You do. You you mentioned a lot of things there, and I, I want to kind of back up just a minute on just one of those things that I thought was a lot of, you know, power. It's the fact of, you know, Navy SEALs have a say. You know, you take, how how do you eat an elephant, right? One, one bite at a time. Yep. Um, I can tell you when I came out of that treatment center after 10 days, like, life and everything looked extremely overwhelming. That was my elephant, right? Legs were, you know, home life. The other leg was work life you know, however you want to look at it, you can envision that as you, as I'm talking. Uh, but essentially you just need to start on the single bite, start on one leg, start on one bite and just do, you know, by just doing and putting your foot in front of the other. And I love how you were like, this used to be a challenge to me. I'm going to take this mental freaking kicking I'm on and I'm going to kick some butt and I'm going to try some new things. I'm not going to, Hey, what was holding me back because fear, I feel like and." and Some of my own self-discovery, right? Like I had to go back and look at some of my character defects and things like that. But I've really had to look at fear and what fear does to me to try to sabotage my resiliency, to try to sabotage my progress, um, you know, or inhibit me from even starting something in the first place. And so, you know, the fact that you, you know, and you've had some legitimate concern there. Hell, you freaking buckled your knees and your, both your legs, you know, from a skydiving aff- accident at 60 miles an hour. You know, why would you want to try to do something you know, you absolutely know is going to cause you pain? You're like, you know, it's like saying, hey, I, I, I'm, I know this is going to hurt and I'm going to do it anyways. You know, that, that mental fortitude, talk about building mental toughness. Damn. You're going after it. Yeah.
0: And and you know, during this I, I really focused a lot of effort onto that because there are a lot there there are a lot of things that happened in my life that I would take personally. And and that weakened me a lot. And I understood the importance of building that mental toughness and that armor that you talked about in a previous episode. We gotta build upon that armor. Um, you know, I get to a point now where I will not let people hurt me. They can't hurt me. I've built this for myself, but I can also be very empathetic, sympathetic, all the things, um, and be that compassionate person. But deep down inside, I will never let someone else hurt me again um, and not take things personally. And I think it's critical for us to be able to build those foundations so that we can truly be the best version of ourselves and live the life we want to live. And one of the questions someone asked me uh, as I started seeing results and, and, and seeing the weight loss happen, um, FYI, I've lost 110 pounds to this, to this day. Um, and uh, one of the questions people ask, like, how did you do it? And I said, hard work, discipline, and consistency. That is it. There is no life hack. There is no secret. I just did the work. And, you know, it's funny it
2: sucked- had someone asked me like, Hey, Chris, man, you look like you lost a lot of weight. what did you do? I said, I stopped drinking alcohol. <laughs> yeah. It's consistency. Trust me, for someone who enjoys a, a, a good whiskey sour or Manhattan, right. or especially a good old fashioned man, Smoke. Oh, oh, yeah. I miss those. But yeah, yeah, I just stopped drinking them. But consistency, yeah. I had to stay yeah. after it. I had to be resilient. I had to work for it. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, the reality of it is, is it, it's not meant to be easy. None of this meant is meant to be easy. And and you can listen to all these other speakers and it's true. You listen to Goggins, you listen to Jocko, you listen to uh, um yeah, a wider range. And I and I listen to
2: Ryan Holiday I'll throw in there.
0: Yeah, holiday. Um and you know, so during this journey, I, I've listened to these people who are pretty intense and, and have awesome messages. But then I also listen to people like Leslie Nichols. I listen to Joe Dispenza who talks about neuroscience and neurobiology. And and you really get both ends of it. And you begin to understand how powerful this is right here. And, you know, through strength and conditioning of your mind, you can truly achieve anything you want. Not going to be easy, not meant to be, but if you want it, you can do it. New mission of mine uh, of really identifying what purpose is and what my purpose is you know, it breaks down in categories. What are we actually trying to do? What am I trying to do in trying to inspire other people? Um, so it, it's been a lot of fun and, and I, I truly hope that I can make a big impact on this world because so I there's a thousand quotes out there that I love, but one of the things that I like to think about Warren Buffett said in one of his speeches to a, to a group of uh, entrepreneurs or students, and he, he references a car and he says, Hey, um, Tomorrow morning, I'm going to deliver any car that you want with a bull wrapped in it into your driveway. And they say, wow, that's really kind of you, Mr. Buffett. Um, what's the catch around this? And he goes, the catch is it's the only car that you'll get for the rest of your life. So understanding that, what are you going to do with that car? Well, I'm going to take immaculate care of it. I'm going to change the oil. I'm going to make sure everything is greased and lubed. And I'm going to you know, keep it in pristine you know, condition. He goes, all right, sweet. Now take this perspective. He goes, obviously, this isn't going to happen, but let's switch that car with you as a person, as a human. Why wouldn't you do that for yourself, right? You get one life. You don't get another chance. This is one shot. So why would you not want to live the best way you know how and take the best care of you can?
2: It's challenging. Uh,
0: but it's it's a good little metaphor, and I
2: it's always it. a challenge, though. It. Like like you know, everybody you know, my whole life you know, I, I I was an athlete in high school, right? So I had a really good work ethic. Sorry, you know, two a days, early mornings, you know, Saturdays, you know, you know just practice, practice, practice. So when you're dual sport, you know, you you're doing three to four practices a day. It's crazy, but you know, I've also let myself go. But I also know that like by consistency, like when I get myself and I walk back into the gym, which I told you before we got on this, like it's been about three weeks since I've been in the gym just because I've been on a grind. But it's also like why I love doing these episodes and, and doing some of my other tools and routines that I do for my mental health, because they remind me, you know, with my self-awareness and that switch being flipped, like my perspective on life is is obviously shifted and it's it's continually dynamic, I would say. But it allows me to kind of look at things and go, okay, yeah, Chris, like, yeah, you don't look so great. You don't feel so healthy. But it, you can either choose to keep doing what you're doing or you could choose to, hey, I'm going to take today and I'm going to be a little bit more kinder to my body. I'm going to be a little bit more nicer on my diet. And if I keep stacking those days, which is I what I love, uh, one of the things we you know we say to newcomers in AA, we say, hey, hope you stack those chips, man. Just keep coming back. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is just keep coming back and keep stacking chips. And before you know it, you've got metal, which is one year. It's crazy. It's crazy how, we, you know, if we could just get in that mindset. And I also kind of, you know, you mentioned the fitness aspect. I I just switched over to a plant-based diet. You know, once again, I think as you start getting older, like – hell, I just turned 40, you know, I'm over the hill now, like statistically, I'm I'm a high risk for a lot of things, you know, I, I don't drink anymore, but I picked up smoking, which ain't so great, you know, and there's a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of things, I I start thinking about cancer, you know, my, my dad's going through a little bit of a scare right now, I've been through a scare myself, and I have friends, you know, and to see yeah. them just tomorrow, you never know what you have tomorrow, I think we take too much for granted, and we let fear kind of drive drive our car for us so to speak, because, hey, I, I'm fearful of failing. And I, I, I would say that probably if you really get to the root of that, of why you've given up on something, it's probably even you just lost your, your will to keep going forward. You basically became fearful of, you know, I, I think I'm going to fail. I don't think I'm going to be able to hang this. And What you really do find in the power of resiliency, and I've also found, you know, by sleeping and working out all these things that I'm able to incorporate in my routine, if I want crisp firing on all five, you know, six, whatever cylinders you want to call them, um, I need to feed my body well, I need to sleep well, I need to do self-care, I need to go work out, I have to have a good, you know, work-life balance, I have to work on my anxiety, I have to meditate, You just have to do these things, right? Like they're just not going to, you're not taking a secret pill, but you you have to put it into work. I think people get scared of work. You know, they shy away from it. And what I would tell people is, you know, it's just like starting out any kind of weight loss routine, exercise routine, physical activity. It takes time. The first couple of times are going to hurt. They're going to suck, you know, but it's getting through the suck um, and getting through the other side because then it gets easier and easier and you just start feeling better, life's happier, you don't have to take as many freaking, you know, uh SSR things. You just by doing these little things and getting out. Like it really does just change your life. But the, the thing is is the fear some people might have when they listen to this episode is, well, where do I start? It's overwhelming. No, it's just taking a bite of that elephant's toe instead of taking a bite of the elephant's leg or the elephant in itself. Like you just gotta start small. <laughs>
0: yeah it's uh you know I think in my opinion, the most dangerous place to be is in a place of convenience and comfort and uh you know and, and the reality is a majority of the people on this planet live just like that and i would and I would challenge people to to realize if you want to to be better and to to live the best life that you can, understand that you got to put in the work and and it's okay, it's not a scary thing to do it just takes more effort. Uh, the reality is, I love you know Simon Sinek, and he talks about you know what's your why? Why are you here? Yeah. And 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 one of the things that I like to ask people is, ask yourself why are you here on this planet? Like, and that's a deep question. That's very complex. And, and you I know it's really you, easy
2: for every for everybody that's listening to this, because if, 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 it might be like, oh man, I don't want to go through that list. It's really easy if you've never heard of Ikigai. You know, one of my mentors, Sal, turned me on to it, and I went through and Ikigai the shit out of my life. You know, I took <laughs> like the like the ten things that were going, and I, would, I put them all into the Ikigai. You know, purpose: does it, does it fulfill me? Does it provide me financial stability? Like, if you start using some of these tools, it makes it not so scary because guess what? Yeah. Like. It's just right here. All I gotta do is, yeah. like, oh, okay. It only meets, and I and I apply that, and that's how I learned how to set boundaries now and say no to additional projects or things that I want to undertake. It's like, does it meet three out of the four criteria even to be considered? Because if it only meets two, then it's an automatic, you know, out the door. And man. I actually felt a lot less stressful, Rob. I'll tell you how much. When Sam told me that, I was like, oh, man, I, I I just do this fourth little thing and that's it. Yeah. It just yes. it took the stress out of making hard life decisions. And it just yeah. made it a little bit easier if I put it on somebody else.
0: Yeah. No, I love it. And I love that you brought that up because, um, you know, I, I really love that philosophy. And, and just for the listeners, so the four components of Ikigai is identifying what you love what you're good at, what the world needs right now, and what you can get paid for. And an, another thing that I that I recently read um is identifying the four F's, right? So, you know, this is what really helps create some it's happiness, joy, fulfillment in life is family, friends, finance, um, and, and really finding out what your what your purpose is. Um, it's the four pillars and 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 by working on those four pillars you can try to find um, a path towards fulfillment and and i and i've definitely said this to to other people is uh you know they'll ask are you happy i said i don't chase happiness i chase fulfillment right Mm -hmm. i delay gratification for the long-term fulfillment of my life which means i have to make sacrifices i might have to give up certain things understanding that at the end of the day, when my time is up, I want to leave a a lasting impact on this world in a positive nature. I do not want to go to my grave with regret. And one of the favorite quotes I hear from Jim Rohn is, "The, the weight of discipline far weighs less than the weight of regret, right? Discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. And They've done studies in the elderly population towards their end of life, and and they ask about fulfillment and how their life is. And a large percentage of people on their dying bed are filled with regret because they wish they had done something differently early on. So this is where I challenge people, take risks. It's okay. And you're going to fail. But what you do with those failures... Yeah, and once you fail, how you respond to those failures will actually define who you are as a person, and that will help you grow as a person. And that's where this growth mindset comes in really challenging yourself, knowing that it's okay to make mistakes. You find a different way to do it next time. Kind of the the science part of it, and and we won't go into the science because other people have already spoken about it, but Andrew Huberman did a recent podcast, and he talks about the anterior mid cingulate cortex. And there's two little things in our brain. And that that helps define willpower, what grit is, and one of the things that helps strengthen that is doing things you don't
2: like to do. Challenging right? yourself, stepping outside of your comfort zone. Exactly. Like you said, if you're feeling comfortable, yeah, you're probably in complacent land. Personally, you know that that's what I've come to feel. Like, hey, if I feel comfortable yep. and I don't have like a, at least a little bit of stress or you know some stress going on, like, which is the good stress, then I'm not. I'm actually not doing myself, uh, a, a, you know, a service. I'm actually doing myself a disservice, you know? And that's why, yeah, it does. Yeah, it you gotta get out there. You gotta challenge yourself. You gotta get open to failure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's, um, you know, kind of, kind of going down uh, the journey a little bit. Um, I, I'll talk a little bit about the steps of, of finding purpose and, and what it actually looks like. And, you know, what is my day? Because I want to give actionable items. I want to say, hey, I know this works for me. It might not work for everybody. Uh, but one of the things that I found is really important is we we have to eliminate the noise and the negative. There is so much in this world and external forces that are trying to inject disgusting, nasty things into our brains through politics, you know, social media, you name it, gossip all, all media, media.
2: All <laughs> at this media. point I mean,
0: it's just it, it's bad right um so
2: just a so bunch of noise i mean it, it steals your brain power it steals your focus you know it, it takes you away from your ikigai you know what's bringing me purpose you know how can I be of service in this life and that's what it's meant to do you know everybody is spending millions and you know anywhere from thousands of millions of dollars to try to get your attention you know, I love how you put notifications because that was one of the things my, one of my mentors told me is kill off all your notifications, bro. Then there's no noise, yeah. you know, decrease right. that stuff so you can be a little bit more focused. And what I found is I was actually a lot less stressed because, you know, my watch wasn't going off and then my phone was, you know, we just got so much noise in this world. So what, yeah. what did you do to cut the noise out?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I do, I wake up in the morning. You know, I don't. I don't ever have to actually set an alarm. I, I just have my natural internal clock that wakes up.
2: Yeah, um, and I don't. I, for I, me.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Um, and one of the things I don't do is I don't lay in bed. My eyes open. I wake up. I plant my feet on the ground, and and I immediately have a moment of gratitude and say, "I'm going to tackle this day, and no matter the challenges that I face, I will overcome them. I will win this day, and every day I love do that." that. And every day that I have the opportunity, I get as quickly as I can to sunshine, to light, natural light. Um, So what I what I really love about Admiral McRaven is make your bed is once I get up, plant my feet, do a moment of gratitude. I make my bed immediately. That's how I started off. And then I do a quick meditation. Uh, You've spoken a, a few times about breathing exercises. Another one that I'll offer is the uh, alternate nair breathing and so like box breathing nair breathing is you plug one side of your nostril usually your right side take a nice deep inhale through your left nair hold it for a few seconds and then you switch to the left side and then you exhale through your right side and you repeat this over and over again and you can go as long as you want Two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, and same thing. It initiates that vagus nerve, it brings you back to center, it relaxes you, and it's just another breathing technique. Obviously that's not gonna work if you got a nose full of snot, so blow your nose, um, but. (laughs) Um, but it it's just another switch
2: over the box for me But I mean, I literally just did. Yeah. It. You know, I think we met it as we were, you know, we were talking about because I, you know, we cannot not. It's like you know, a pair of back walking by an and man I came with a blade out. You know, you go, oh, right. I'm not gonna be that patient. <laughs> uh, but yeah. no, I, mean, I just did it, and, and I, I physiologically can feel my heart rate go down because I get excited when I do these episodes. Like, I, I get pumped. I feed off of the energy because it's just I know It's almost cathartic for me at the same time, but. Just by doing that one breath, man, I could feel my heart come by. I got a little bit more recentered centered and repurposed, man. It, it, people, this stuff works. It's not magic. You know, it's not voodoo. It really does work. And if you do it, incorporating, I love how you do it in the morning because I'm a morning person too. My wife, not not so much. Her feet are not moving unless you give her coffee yeah. and say thank you. And, you know, but for me, as soon as my, you know, my eyes open it's like okay i got this to do you know i'm I'm after my day i'm dedicated to that but before before i do anything i do something very similar you know be appreciative what am i appreciative for you know i I go through my daily routine do my daily reading before i even get out of bed that way it's like it's it's one of those things that's forefront you know what was the read of the day kindness happiness you know character defects anger fear whatever But it it allows me every morning to apply a new concept to my life, and sometimes I've done that day out, day in, day out, same concept. Um, But it's nice to get a step in routine to work after to really build this kind of, uh, you know, this grit attitude that you're talking about, right? You know, I I got to build that. It's something that just some people just don't have that. They didn't play sports or inherently how I got it, you know. just it's there you know people there's some people just want to give up and some people want to fight so you know getting up and, and adopting a no excuse mindset as you get up out of bed and i like how you do it like i'm thankful right giving back thanks being a free hey these are the miracles i do have and i'm going to start my day off on a positive note versus you know, let's reverse that and play the reverse psychology to a degree, knock on wood. But, hey, I get in my head, oh, man, I got all these projects that are due. I'm overwhelmed. I'll be behind on my finances. Whatever that looks like, you can already see how that negative self-talk gets in your head. And it just totally destroys and sabotages your day. Versus if you flip that, like you're talking about, Rob, is get after it. Be thankful. Take positive. And that depending on what challenges come out throughout your day, you're going to, no matter what, you know, you're going to be okay. You know, do you have a a roof over your head? You got food, you got a blanket, you know, you're doing pretty good compared to a lot of people. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And and what I would really challenge people to do is when you start your morning routine, don't grab for your phone. Don't go scrolling. Do not get on social media just to see what the world is, what's happening with the world. Don't go to the news. Nobody cared about Um, you while
2: you were sleeping. Trust me. You just get used to it. Yeah.
0: And, 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 you know, you you said it before, nobody's coming for us, right? We have to look out for ourselves. And one of the the most valuable lessons I learned early on um, that my dad told me when I was you 11, 12 years old, he goes, he goes, you got to understand one thing. He goes, he goes, nobody cares about you. So you got to always be your own self-advocate. And, and I knew what he meant by that. Of course, my family loves me. They care for me. He goes, but the world could care less about you. So always look out for yourself and make sure you're taking care of business. And he, you know, it, it was interesting because he had me reading Stephen Covey when I was 11 and 12 years old. The Road Less Travel um, by Peck. Um, That's a seven good book. Habits, I don't think I read that and, until
2: like two years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And um, so it, it's, uh, you know, this created a lot of the foundation for me. Uh, but you got to inject good material into your brain first thing in the morning that sets your full day up for success. Uh, and it takes practice. It just takes practice and commitment to do it every single day. And I'm telling you, it works. Uh, at first, I was skeptical. I didn't believe it. I said, all right, you know, what is the actual mind-body-spirit connection? And does it really exist? And as, as I've gone through the journey, it's real. And, and it's, it's so important. to to find a way to utilize that and recognize it uh, to to move forward. Uh, Because the one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to be a victim. We don't want to blame others. We need to take full accountability for our actions and and keep striving to keep moving forward, for progress. And once you can get out of that no excuse, no victim mentality, you're going to succeed. You're going to, your life will get exponentially better. it, it it's just, a it's an awesome thing to feel and and, and witness and, and, and live
2: by. Here, I'll leave, you know, you mentioned bringing up, you know, some tools and things like that. I always like to try to leave people some actionable items. Like, hey, great. Sure. Thank you guys for listening. And by the way, if you haven't, make sure you guys click that subscribe, that like, you know, share with your friends and family. This is the only way we get these messages out to other people. But, you know, I'll leave you with these trips. I read a book called Habit Stacking. Great book. I can't remember who the author was off the top of my head. But it's 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 very similar to what you've just said. So you guys want a good tool on how you can start with a good morning routine. And just start small. Start with a good morning routine. You can incorporate and add more stuff into it. But, hey, your alarm goes off or you wake up, your eyes open. Like Rob said, first thing I do, I just roll out of bed. I don't even think about it. I just roll, right? Because then that sets up the next habit. okay. So the next thing I'm going to do now is I'm going to say, hey, these are the three things I'm really appreciative for, I'm thankful for, whatever that looks like. Then that's going to lead to the next thing. As soon as I get done with that, I'm going to do my daily reading. And you see, by how you, you know, just doing those three steps, you know, those habits, you know, so we stack these habits together and bring them all together. But at the same time, you know, you can add more to that, you can take some away, uh, but it becomes easier to the point where. You know exactly, like your body physically knows exactly what it needs. It's just like, hey, as I get the hunger for food, in the morning my brain gets the hunger for, hey, I want to, I want some positivity. I need some good energy. I want to be some, you know, I want to do some great stuff today. So let's get in that mindset. And how do you set yourself up with that? So good habit stamping techniques. You know, if you're one of those people that are like, hey, I, I, kind of It takes me a minute to kind of get going in the morning, or I typically shy away from challenges or fear, things like that, new projects, things that seem overwhelming. Try to figure out a way to tackle that through habit stacking and figuring out ways that you can basically say, hey, if this happens, I'm going to do this. It's just like, hey, if I see a piece of trash at like the floor, I'm going to go pick it up and put it in the garbage can. You know, that's just my habit. You know, And if I do a couple more of those and stack them together, before you know it, I got a pretty good routine, and I might be following, finding myself a little bit every day easier, lighter, feeling great, feeling ready, feeling pumped, and going out there and smashing the shit out of the stigma and, and what's in front of me. And that's where people really start getting that uh, that confidence. You know, I used to call it clinical confidence while I was teaching critical care, because if someone knows what they're doing and how to achieve or overcome something, just the energy alone, the power alone that they bring to that is just, you know, there's, there's no measure for it, right? I've been in the back of an ambulance or, in, you know, first on a structure where you're just scared out of your mind. But when you have that confidence to wake up in the morning and go, hey, I got today, I'm going to crush it. I got the tools. I flipped my switch. You know, let's get after it. You know, that really does change. And you can't do things the way we've always done them. If you keep doing things the way you've always done them, guess what? You're that that dogma. You ain't getting anything done. So you have to interject some of these new habits into your routine if you want to see any changes. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for false expectations, folks. Rob, do you have anything else? I mean, this has been such an inspiring conversation. But um, you know, what would you like to leave our you know our listeners and our viewers with? You know, do you have any uh, last wisdoms or pearls or things like that that you'd like to share as we kind of wrap up today's episode?
0: Yeah, I definitely do. So I'll just give you the steps to to what I feel is a good way to identify purpose. So create a personal vision statement. Um, we've spoken a little bit about it or other po- uh, previous podcasts. Pen to paper type it down, write stuff down, journal. It is transformational. Create a personal vision statement. My personal vision statement is being the best version of myself with unwavering commitment to hard work, discipline and consistency so that I can inspire others to be their best version. Practice gratitude, transform your pain into purpose. Identify your passions and interests. Be a part of a community that is critical. Surround yourself by quality people. You are the sum of the five closest people you hang around with. That is one of my favorites that I've heard um, through my reading. You also have to read a lot, read a lot of good material. Knowledge is—it's uh, endless. There's so much good stuff out there. Whether you read it physically, um, do an audible book, um, and then self-care. Um, kind of in closing, you know, one of the things that I want to to everybody to know is. To, to understand and remember that the truest sense of purpose is often found not in the grand gestures, but in the quiet moments of self-reflection and the small victories won within uh, the confines of our own mind. Okay, We're all in this together. As hard as it may be, every time you wake up in the morning, the world is giving you another opportunity to heal, another opportunity to seek fulfillment, another opportunity to be great. So I ask you this, how do you want to be remembered? What is your why? Because I promise you, you have it within you, okay? You just have to discover it. It's not going to be easy. We believe in you. We're a family. We're the community. We're here for you, our brothers and sisters, and we care about you truly and deeply, and we want to be there to help you. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You got a family next to your side all the time, and that's my closing message. And lastly, focus on what you can control. That is critical. Focus on what you can control. Everything else is
2: noise. Well, Rob, thank you so much for those insights and those pearls, you know, I, I would agree, you know, try to let go of the things that you cannot change. You know, I can't change people, places, things, or events don't have no control over them. And for me to expend any time or energy on trying to control those or alter those is just, it's time wasted. When I can spend my time growing myself, reading books, and really enlighten myself and setting myself up just for a better day and feeling better about myself and who I am and the joy. And I love how you bring your purpose and your mission in this world and are helping it for the good of others by sharing your story, your ideas, some of the books that you've read. Like, that's why we love having these conversations, you know, these critical conversations. There's really, There's no more critical moment in my mind um, as we continue to see the suicide rates climb. You know, the uh, amount and percentage of people struggling on a a day-to-day basis, it's it's hard to watch. But we can choose to do something, folks. You could choose every morning to roll out of bed, put your feet firmly planted on the ground, and get after it. Be thankful for some things you know, practice box breathing take care of yourself self care you know self care all, all of this comes together in order to form a better more purposeful you and rob thank you so much for bringing your purpose to the world i really appreciate it i'm so glad that our uh, our lives have crossed paths and just some of the small things that you've mentioned, I'm like, wow, I've, I've, I've had very similar experiences or I'm doing very similar things, you know, and it's crazy because I wouldn't have known about that if I hadn't connected with you. And so I would also encourage a lot of people out there, try not to say, you know, self-isolate. If you feel alone, if you feel down, I would highly encourage get out, go to a movie, go to Top Golf, get out and do something and just be around other humans. They don't have to be first responders. Just feel that sunshine on your cheek. It's not, it does get easier. We continue to eat this elephant, all of us together, because we are taking care of ourselves. We've decided that we're no longer going to die in silence and not have people really understand what leads and what they can do to better themselves to prevent these things from occurring. And so with that, Rob, thank you so much for being a guest on today's show on the Frontlines Critical Care Podcast. Um, for all of you guys out there, you know, let's continue to have these critical conversations and work towards building a better, stronger, more resilient first responder community that has a daily purpose. You know, I love the fact that you brought up the mission statement. What is your mission statement? Start with that. Write that down after you get off of listening from this show. And until next time, take care, stay strong, and mind the front line.
1: To our dedicated listeners, thank you again for joining us on this critical journey. Remember, the Critical Conversations podcast is a steadfast resource for police, fire, EMS, allied healthcare workers, dispatchers, air medical, and military personnel, along with their families. Your support makes the impact of these conversations resonate even further. If you found today's discussion enlightening and want to stay connected with our ongoing mission, please be sure to subscribe to the Critical Conversations podcast. You can find us via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and the Mind the Frontline website. Your subscription ensures that you will never miss an episode and it's a powerful way to show your commitment to fostering resilience within the entire first responder community. For more information and additional resources, visit our website at www.mindthefrontline.org. Together, let's continue these critical conversations and build a stronger, more resilient first responder family. We thank you for being a part of the Critical Conversations podcast. Until next time, take care, stay strong, and mind the front line.